0: DealQuest listeners, I am so excited that we're going to have Renee Reese on the DealQuest podcast. I got to tell you something on this episode. This is a little different than we have on some of the other episodes. We're going to go into some deep stuff that underlies your ability to negotiate and do deals, but really affects the rest of your life. But Now, you want to give them a little preview of some of the things they're going to hear about on your episode of DealQuest?
1: Yes, thank you so much for having me. Okay, we talked about worthiness. We talked about the subconscious mind and how that all, how your relationship with yourself and how that all really relates to how you're showing up as you're negotiating, as you're handling deals, it all ties together. And you may think that you're confident, you may think that you know what you're doing, you know what your goals are, all of those things. But there's a whole layer underneath called the subconscious mind. And we really just dive deep. And just I give you guys practical examples, we do practical tips, all of those things so that you can show up to your next negotiation, your deal feeling empowered, feeling confident, feeling worthy of all the things that you want. So I'm excited for this.
0: That's great. And you listen, listeners, you can find that a lot of what I've talked about in the past, our beliefs are so aligned, uh, you know, Renee gets into, but you know, we take some deeper cuts on some things. We talk about relationship, the money, you know, on some really, really uh, deep subjects that underlie a lot of this stuff. So definitely check out our episode on deal quest. Do you want your business to grow faster? Are you open to new and out of the box ways to drive revenues and increase value? How do you imagine the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders double, triple, or expand their businesses tenfold or more? The answer is deals. This is a weekly podcast featuring conversations with business owners, executives, and leaders, as we reveal behind-the-scenes details that give you, our listeners, the confidence to pursue your own deal-driven growth. On the show, we discuss a huge variety of deals, everything from large, complex mergers and acquisitions, smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My name is Corey Kupfer and I've been supporting deal-driven growth for businesses for 35 years as a successful entrepreneur, professional negotiator and attorney. My goal is to help you strategize, plan for, find and complete deals that will help your company grow faster. Welcome to the Deal Quest podcast. Let's get started. Renee Reese is a transformational writer, speaker, teacher and worthiness queen. love that an innovator in the personal development industry. Through her signature money mapping method and rapid reprogramming method, she helps leaders and entrepreneurs heal their relationship with money and success. I'm so excited for that topic. As a kid, she always had her nose in a book, ready to learn or get lost in another world. As an adult, with the same love of learning, she consistently learned about trauma, healing, the brain, the subconscious mind, and everything she could about personal development and self-improvement. This work that helped her heal from her own trauma and free from codependency, depression, anxiety, and PTSD. She's an attorney, certified success coach, NLP practitioner, TIME techniques practitioner, and hypnotherapist, an in-demand speaker. Audience love her for her practical application and takeaways, transparency, and relatability. In her free time, she loves to do yoga, spend time with family, have long talks with good friends, travel, and wear bright lipstick wherever she goes. Well. I'm not going to see the bright lipstick on this podcast, but there is a promo video where you'll get to see that if you check it out online. I am so excited to have Renee Reese on the Deal Quest podcast. Welcome.
1: I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much. I love having my bio read. I I sound so official.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. So listen, I want to, you know, get into all this stuff and you and I, you know, had a, a prior conversation about, you know, the whole worthiness conversation and owning your value and how that's such an important part of negotiating for me. And it's, you know, it's something I talk about in my book, but before we get into all that good stuff and how that affects deals, I want to take you back. When you were growing up as a little girl, eight, 10, 12 years old, maybe, what did you want to be? Because my guess is a, you know, I mean, certainly you moved from being a lawyer, you already, you know, changed into what you do now. So my guess is back 8, 10, 12 years old, you probably didn't have this in mind and probably didn't know what NLP was, uh, I'm guessing. So what do you want to be?
1: Man, a few things. So I always wanted to write and I'm so glad that writing is such a huge part of my work and putting out content and I should be coming out with books soon. So stay tuned for that. Oh. And I also wanted to be an actress. Uh-huh. Hilarious to me now. <laughs> but yeah, around that age, I was, I was like, yeah, I, I just loved movies and TV. And I, I just thought it was so cool. So yeah, not an actress, but, you know, I was going to say pretty close, but not close at all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I'm sure there's some aspects of what appeal to you in that, that you probably come into what you're doing now in some way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I get to speak a lot and, you know, I'm in front of crowds and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So all that's still there.
0: Love it. So, one more question looking back before we uh, talk a little bit about, you know, more about what you're doing now and how you help people and how it relates to deals. What was your first deal of any type that you can you can remember? Whether it was when, you know, when you were a little kid or, or later in life, uh, what's the first deal of any type you remember?
1: <laughs> so, my memory just comes up for me being a kid and having to negotiate with my parents, whether I or not I could sleep at a friend's house. Mm-hmm. So, my parents were pretty strict and they didn't let me just sleep at anyone's house. Right. So I made a friend um, and she and I were really close growing up. And sometimes if I felt like my mom would say no or something, I would wait till my mom was in a good mood, of course. And then if my friend and I were in the same area, I'd be like, Hey, you asked my mom if I could sleep over, cause she's not going to say no to you. <laughs> <laughs> or I would say to one of my parents, Oh, so-and-so's mom, acts for me to stay over with them because they're you know having a family event or whatever and they want me to be a part of it can i do that so i would always just like add just add a little twist to it to make it more appealing and you know try to get that yes
0: i love it so you know there's a lot of uh you know deal ways to look at that so there was a little bit of a strategic alliance going on with the uh (laughs) with the other uh uh, you know with your friend who you want to sleep over well, maybe we can call it like a joint marketing agreement. You guys came together to make the case. You know, yeah, really the joint venture.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love it. All right. So, give us just a couple of minutes on what you know, what you focus on now. Obviously, we you know we hit it at a high level on, on the bio, but you know, who is it that you work with? You know, in terms of some of this transformational, you know, and uh, coaching and consulting and other work that you do.
1: Yeah, I work with leaders, entrepreneurs, coaches, healers, thought leaders, that type of thing. Because I find that, especially in my first business, I don't know if you said this in my bio, but I was a lawyer before I was a coach, a speaker and all of those things. And I was very burnt out. I built up that business to six figures in a year. And um, I was just so unfulfilled and just so, (laughs) I was just so unhappy with with everything. And I just wasn't managing my money well. I didn't understand my relationship with money. I felt like this can't be it. You know, this can't be, (laughs) this can't be success. And I kept meeting other people, six-figure, seven-figure entrepreneurs who were feeling the same way. And I was like, this, you know, they weren't confident. They weren't really owning, you know, their offers there. As I got to know them, I thought that they were amazing people, but they just weren't putting themselves out there. They just weren't confident. They just didn't feel like they could take time off of work. They had a terrible relationship with money, very feast and famine up and down. And people, you know, just assume that that has to come with entrepreneurship. And that's not true. And just reflecting as I was getting ready to close down my law firm and just thinking about all the people I met, I thought to myself, you know what, this can't be success. (laughs) Like this cannot be success. And I'm going to find out what other way there is because there has to be another way. And I realized that you can have, you know, a billion dollars in the bank. You can have your health. You can have friendships and relationships around you. And without a sense of worthiness, it's all going to feel like, you know, Poverty, it's going to feel like loneliness, it's going to feel like addiction, it's still not going to feel good. And um, with high performers, you know, we kind of sometimes we can go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, and never actually really being happy. (laughs) And so I help people with that. I help people just heal that relationship with themselves and feeling really worthy and healing that relationship with money and success so they're not constantly, we're still, you know, getting our goals and we're still creating a life. But we're actually enjoying it and we're actually it's actually coming from a place of alignment, not from a place of fear or scarcity or lack. It's coming from empowerment. It's coming from transformation. It's coming from a place that's excited, you know?
0: Love it. There's so much in what you just said. I go to so many places. I mean, one of the things I think about is it's amazing to me how many lawyers I mean, it's not the only profession, but it's a disproportionate amount. You know, how many lawyers are just not happy with I feel so blessed to be to love what I do as a lawyer. And part of it is because I'm really an entrepreneur who runs a law firm and I control my own destiny. And I work with great clients the way I want it. And there's, you know, it's highly creative for me. And I built a team that does all the stuff that's less interesting, you know, and, but crucial. That's part of that as well. But, you know, and then I think about how I come to my own pricing and I'll, I, I don't want to get into that now, but, you know, it really is like lining up with the value you're providing and that, you know, and that, you know, in my own journey with money and, and the work I've done with people like Lynn Twist and things like that. You know, I think that one of the things I talk about, and I want to get into how this plays in fundamentally to deals because there are a lot of contexts in which you help people, but obviously this is a deal podcast. And, you know, one of the things that I talk about at least is that owning your worth and knowing, you know, and not coming into a negotiation from a place of scarcity or desperation or fear is a huge key to getting a deal done or having a successful negotiation because no matter what kind of tactics you put on top of scarcity or fear or lack of worthiness, you're not going to be successful. So um, why don't we use that as a jumping off point? You know, what are your thoughts on how that deep conversation around relationship to money and worthiness, you know, relates to negotiating and deals?
1: Yeah. So I think, When you're coming to a place of negotiation, you have something that you want, right? The other party has something that they want, and hopefully you guys can come to terms. However, I see people who aren't feeling, you know, empowered, who aren't feeling, who aren't coming from a place of worthiness, they put other people before themselves, meaning they might be afraid of the other person, or they might, you know, value the relationship in a way that they're letting the relationship define them instead of, you know, understanding, hey, these are my non-negotiables and this is what I'm not willing to do. And this is what I am willing to do. And instead of being very strong in that and, and not strong in the sense of aggressive, but just matter of factly, like, hey, this is <laughs> this is what I want. This is where I am. And, you know, if we can't come to terms and that's OK. And I think sometimes when people can't come to terms, it may feel like, oh, this relationship is horrible. And like, you know, now this this isn't going to work out. So this means something bad about me. And that's not the case at all. It's, you know, sometimes things don't work out. Sometimes someone's boundary is different from your boundary. And it doesn't mean that, you know, if there's love lost. It just means this relationship, this particular thing is not going to happen at this particular time. I think when you're coming into a negotiation, a lot of times we hear the phrase, be willing to walk away. And if you're not coming from a place of worthiness, you're not going to want to walk away. You'll start to cave. You'll start to say, you know what? I thought I said this was non-negotiable and I thought this was my boundary, but I really, 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 really want this to work. And there's a sense of urgency that if this deal doesn't work or if this negotiation doesn't happen, then I'm not going to be okay. Or you know, my business isn't going to be okay or my reputation isn't going to be okay. And if you can come to the table confidently knowing that, hey, you know what? No matter what, you get to be successful. No matter what, whatever you're trying to get out of this deal or whatever, it's going to be okay. Like you're at success, you're enjoying life, everything's all good. And whether this deal gets done or not, it's all good. (laughs) Like You can enjoy it. Like you don't have to stake your entire life and your entire worthiness and your entire reputation on one deal. Mm -hmm. If you come from a place of worthiness, it's not about one deal. You know, you get to be successful. You know, you're doing, you're on the right path and whatever comes out of it comes out of it.
0: Let's take a break from the show for a minute so I can invite you to a new way to determine your deal readiness. I created a fast and easy assessment that will determine exactly how deal ready you are. Once you complete the assessment, I use your responses to identify the obstacles that are holding you back from being a deal-driven growth genius. It's as easy as heading to coreycupfer.com assessment. That's coreycupfer.com assessment and filling out a few multiple choice questions. I'll be checking in after the episode to see what your results are. Now back to the show. Anybody who has listened to this podcast in the past, read my authentic negotiating book, or seen any of my content, knows that you just hit on so many themes that I talk about all the time. I mean, it's amazing the alignment. It's not amazing to me because the truth is I, I think any of us who really do work in this area get to this same understanding, but it's so consistent, you know, Renee, what you've talked about with, you know, my beliefs and what I preach all the time. and train my clients in. So let me go to a place because well, let's assume for a moment, especially my listeners have heard me talk a bunch about the conversation of owning your value and worthiness and not going into a negotiation or deal from a place of scarcity or fear. I've given them some tips in the past. I love your tips for them or methodologies. How do people... like? Cause it's, so it's easier said than done to say, hey, you know, you've got to own your own value. You've got to know your worth. You've got to... um you know, not go in from a place of scarcity, right? People intellectually understand that, but often because of past trauma, societal, you know, indoctrination, advertising, you name it, right? It's easier said than done. So, you know, how do people get there? What's the body of work people need to do to really start owning the value?
1: Yeah, so many things. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh my God, so many things I could talk about. But first I would say Your relationship with yourself, right? So, if we're talking about owning your worth, we're talking about, you know, knowing what you're worth and setting your standards and all of that good stuff. Do you even really know like what your standards are? Do you really know what you want deep, deep, deep down inside? It starts with having that relationship with yourself where you can be radically honest with yourself. And then when I talk about receiving and talk about money, I always talk about allowing yourself to receive anything. So, with me, I always tell myself self you can tell me anything you can. (laughs) This is a safe place. This is, you know, whatever needs to come up, comes up. I spend a lot of time with myself getting to know myself so that I know exactly what my boundaries are. So I know exactly what it is I deep, deep down crave and whether I'm using a situation to define me, whether I'm using another person to define me, all those things, I get really, really, really clear with myself. And I think a lot of times people learn to escape. They don't want to feel any bad feelings. You know, it's uncomfortable. Nobody likes to be uncomfortable. That's why it's, you know, discomfort. Like nobody likes that. If you can let yourself sit with the fear, if you can let yourself sit with the scarcity, if you can let yourself sit with the unworthiness. It's not necessarily pushing it down. Like, okay, let's just hope this goes away. And yeah, yeah and I'm going to say positive affirmations. I'm going to, you know, positive think myself out of this. No, it's not about that necessarily. But if you can sit with yourself in those feelings that aren't so great, you come out the other side so confident, knowing that you have your own back, knowing that you can trust yourself, knowing that you can hear yourself. Yes, like just knowing that you can feel any range of emotion and you're not going to abandon yourself, that's going to create major confidence. Think about it as a relationship. So, if you're in a romantic relationship with someone, you start to build trust with them. You know, the trust isn't there maybe on day one, maybe they're a stranger, right? You guys go through experiences together. You talk to each other. You learn more about each other. You start showing up for each other. And suddenly it's like, oh yeah, I will trust this person with my life. And the relationship with ourselves is the same. It has to start with building that relationship. And another thing for building worthiness and confidence and all of those things, one simple thing you can do is to write down three things that you did that went really well. And it could be, you know, it could be from learning to tie your shoe to passing the bar exam, to any other major accomplishment, any accomplishment you've ever had, any accomplishment that you've ever done, write those three things down and then write three things down that you want to do. And your brain will start, start to categorize it in the same way. And you start seeing yourself as already successful. You start seeing your actions are, have already been completed. So your subconscious mind Starts to take that as fact, just like you did. You know the thing ten years ago. You're gonna do this thing next month. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say it starts with your relationship with yourself. Not abandoning yourself in small ways or in big ways. So making promises to yourself. If you promise yourself that you're gonna, you know, make your bed every day, then make your bed every day. That's how you build that trust. So self trust. Reminding yourself of your past wins and being radically honest with yourself.
0: Love it. And the other piece that I heard you start to get into there is, is sort of, you know, creating a vision, right? Creating in your mind. And one of the things that I always say, and it's not something, you know, that I made it up at all. I learned from some of my great teachers uh, in the personal growth and business transformation space. And, and that is that fundamental concept that everything's created twice, once in your mind or in somebody's mind, and then yeah. it manifests in the world. Other than nature, right? Other than, you know, the earth and the trees or whatever, you know, anything that's people made. Created, which includes, uh, you know, the chair we're sitting on and our, to our business, to, you know, our relationships, to whatever is envisioned first in somebody's mind and then manifest out in the world. So the fact that we are taught that it's linear in a different way is just wrong, you know. <laughs> just, you know? So I love the fact that you went to the place of uh, vision as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's so real that, you know, from the laptop I'm on to the phone to, Everything else in my life, it all started in my subconscious mind. it all started in other people 's subconscious minds like we didn't just none of the circumstances that we have right now are by accident. these just didn 't just appear out of us you know they were um, summoned basically by our minds and that that 's how we create and we whether we believe it or not like we 're creating right now so we can be intentional and we can cre- have a vision that we actually want and start to work towards that.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, this is an area that's I've done a lot of personal work in and studied, and I happen to be, I mean, there's so many great teachers out there. I happen to be a big fan of Bob Proctor, and he's been a mentor of mine. And, you know, he talks about paradigms. You know, you talked about the subconscious mind, right? And, uh, you know, what Bob says, the paradigm is, which is a multitude of habits that have us act out of ways that we're not even conscious of, is resonant in the subconscious mind. And to make real transformational change, like, for example, you know, owning your own value or having, you know, self-confidence or worth you know, is has to be get to the subconscious level, right? It's gotta get to that paradigm and not just on a conscious level. I mean the conscious, the mind can help us get there. So I know, you know, that's some of the similar things in some of the NLP and some of the other work you've done. Why don't I get uh, any additional thoughts you have on that? I'm a big believer
1: in it. Yeah. You know what I see a lot of times people, you know, people set a goal. They're like, hey, I want to, you know, be a millionaire or I want to, you know, create this change in my business or in my body or in my life. And consciously, they'll start doing the work. But, you know, from the ages of, you know, zero through seven, and even in the womb, we're being programmed. And I know that sounds just like kind of scary. But, you know, at that age, we don't have a what's called a critical faculty. We don't have that conscious mind to tell us what's, you know, what's true, what's false, what's this or that. Everything around us, we're just observing. This is why they say children are like sponges. We're soaking all of that up. So if you, you know, observed power dynamics or struggles with money growing up, your mind, your subconscious mind starts to create beliefs around those things. And it's why, you know, people like the same relationships, sometimes they get into really, really bad relationships. And you're like, wow, you have so much going for you. Why, you know, why are you with this person? And deep down, like in their subconscious mind, they have this belief that this is all I deserve. I'm not worthy of X, Y, and Z. And People are doing so much work consciously and in the personal development world, is such a lucrative in- industry because people aren't understanding. You have to get to the root. You have to get to, you know, either that significant emotional event or, or the root cause of like what actually happened, what actually created this belief because everything in our world, it starts with a belief. So if you are walking into negotiation, you feel like, oh, this person is better than me, smarter than me, all those things. When did you decide that? You decided that at some point and it became a belief at some point. So if you think people are better than you, you think people are smarter than you, you think you're not smart enough. If you get to that, the root of that belief, then you become a different person. If you believe, oh, I'm so smart or, oh, I'm amazing. Or, oh, I'm just such a good person. You'll start showing up differently, but it has to get to the root of the problem.
0: Yeah. And folks, you know, for me, I think for me it's pretty obvious the the connection to negotiation and deals. But some people may, you know, not see it as clearly. Uh, So I want to lay out, you know, a couple of things. I mean, one, you know, I was talking about in negotiating, the first step was getting crystal clear on exactly what works for you and what doesn't work for you and your objectives. And, uh, you know, Renee alluded to that earlier. And, well, you know, if you've got a lot of this stuff going on, you know, in that subconscious mind where you're not really valuing yourself or you don't feel as good as someone else or whatever it's really tough to get, you know, clarity and really get down to that why and be able to own it and be successful at doing that. So, you know, this underlying work I always talk about is not, you know, great negotiating is not about the tactics and counter-tactics, although some of them can be useful if you don't use them in the manipulative ones. Really, this core level work is really what makes, you know, you be a better negotiator. And then also even be able to, um, you know, I, I've seen people who won't pursue certain deal opportunities because they don't feel like they deserve them or they're, Good enough to handle them, or you know that they would win, you know, or or be able to close those deals, or even get to the table on those deals. You know, if you can't get by that fundamental self-worth uh, relationship with money, relationship with self, conversation, you're really limiting your your deal opportunities, not to mention other parts of your life. So for me, this work is is crucial. I, I talk about it sometimes, but I'm really glad we're delving into it really deeply, Renee. So talk a little bit about the type of work, you know, exactly sort of what you do uh, with people to help them through, uh, you know, these challenges. And maybe, um, you know, if you have some stories about uh, results that people have had and, you know, what's changed for them in their lives, I'd love to hear one to do with those.
1: Yeah. So as we mentioned, I work with them to clear those subconscious beliefs um, and implant new beliefs that will help them in the future, that beliefs that will serve them and help them create the life that they want. So to give you an example one of my favorite clients, she had been an entrepreneur for, I think like five years before we started working together. And she would get a money drought basically (laughs) um, almost every year. And, you know, she had like family stuff going on and she was, she was such a dynamic coach. She's such a dynamic person, but she just was just pretty unhappy. Like she just would get really, really unhappy. She would get, she would really struggle with Sales. She would. I mean, she was doing pretty well. She had multiple five-figure months by that point. She was still doing well, but she doubted herself so much. Everything was just this dramatic thing for like not knowing whether you know she would make her income goal that month, or not knowing whether you know she would sell out a program. She just wasn't a confident person, basically. By the way, you would not be able to tell this from the outside looking yeah. in. Sure. Yeah. Um, she, you know, she showed up powerfully. She had great content. And she did really good work with her clients, but for her on the inside, it was all this push and pull. She just wasn't showing up confidently. She wasn't really happy in terms of how she was structuring her business, and she just wasn't giving herself permission and really changing the structure of her business and and showing up the way she wanted to, showing up confidently, showing up with power, and just really owning who she was and owning what her work was. And so she would have this drought (laughs) every summer. So when we started working together, it was the fall, and she was complaining because that drought had happened again, that feast or famine thing, she would have a launch or something and she would have money coming in and she would hit a new income goal. And then all of a sudden (laughs) she'd be broke. I don't know where this money went. And I just, I don't know what I'm going to do. I I had this high income month, but I just don't feel like I deserved it. Or it just, it just didn't feel really feel real to me. So she had that whole feast and famine thing going on. So as you mentioned in my bio, I have a bunch of tools. Like I use NLP, I use hypnotherapy. I use time techniques, um, all those things. So we use a mix of those things. I really love going in and being experiential. So yeah, I coach my clients. We talk, um, but I really love using the tools on them just because they're so effective in getting straight to the subconscious mind and healing and changing the belief like that. Um, So we use the technique called time techniques, and you know all our memories are stored on a timeline and during this exercise, we go straight to the root of the belief. So her belief was based in something with her, she had sibling rivalry, basically, and her sister would make a certain amount of income and she would compare herself to her sister. Um, Her sister is a multimillionaire. So we got to the root of their sibling rivalry, like the moment it happened, the day it happened, what was said, and she just believed that she was just kind of the other sister, the, you know, reject the family screw up. And she had that bloop since she was like four, I can't remember the exact age, but four or five. And so we got to the root, cleared it. And she just had this moment of understanding the flow of money and just understanding, she had this vision of money coming to her in multiple ways. And she had all these downloads about her business and the work that she wanted to do. And um, just thinking about her, she was just seeing her transformation was just so beautiful because she was like, over and over and over again, she would have this summer drought based on what her sister was doing. And um, after our work together, she hit her new income goal. I think it was like multi-six figures that year. She hit that goal and she's been killing it ever since. No drought, no, <laughs> no feast or famine just by that. I mean, we did a couple other beliefs, but that was a major belief that she held that she was the family screw up and um, comparing herself to her sister. And once we cleared that belief, it opened up so much for her, um, and yeah, that's what I do.
0: Love it, and that's that's such a great example. And it's, uh, I'm sure it's, uh, you know, it's such uh, rewarding work because you know those kind of transformations uh, help in so many areas of people's lives, and not only in terms of the success, but in terms of you know just happiness and, and things like that. I know people have. Um, in personal circumstances, like, you know, she had that sibling rivalry, other folks have issues with parents, you know, or their scarcity mentality is built in, you know, because maybe they grew up with not a lot of money in their parents, you know, here we talk about uh, some of us had parents and grandparents who had depression era, you know, mentalities and all that kind of stuff. But also, I believe at least, and I'm wondering if you have thoughts on this, that there are, you know, just the, the societal paradigm we live in, Mm-hmm. Um, really just, I mean, every advertisement out there directed towards anyone, but I think it's even worse <laughs> towards women, is basically, you're not good enough unless you, you know, wear my product, put on, you know, wear these clothing, you drive this car, like, it's all based upon you need something external to be valuable. You oh know, it's just so prevalent. So in any case, you know, yeah. thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. I think just the idea of this consumerism of more and more and more and more. And it really mirrors the way that people, every goal, it's like, okay, I hit this income goal. Great. What's next? Okay. My business is doing this. Okay. What's next? And just this more and more and more and more and more and, and never, never understanding the abundance that's available to you right now, The never understanding the moment right now. So much exists in that moment right now. So because of society, we have this just this overconsumption. It's always more. We're the most entertained. We have the most educational resources at our fingertips. We have the most entertainment at our fingertips. And it's never enough. And the way society is set up, it's never going to be enough. There's always going to be a new thing, a new product. And, you know, it's great that we have technology. It's great that we have, you know, entertainment. It's, it's great that we have all these things. These things are, you know, at can add value to our lives, but It's always something. (laughs) It's always the next thing. It's always the next thing. And that's not that's gonna help you, but it's not gonna help you with your worthiness because you're always comparing yourself to someone else. You know, it's always, oh, this person went on vacation at this place and they stayed at this hotel and their car is this and their business is doing this. And with social media, I love social media, but we were never supposed to know this much information about each other at a moment's glance. Like you know, the exact or, you know, you know, the curated version of what someone's doing, the status of their relationship, where they're hanging out, what they're like, we were never supposed to know all of this at our fingertips. I think it's, yeah, social media is great. I, you know, my business, I use social media for my business. And, you know, it's, it's good to stay in touch with people, all of those things. So I'm not knocking it completely. But it can just be very harmful in terms of how we're comparing ourselves, how we're building our self esteem, how we're Really building what our goals are. We have access to people 24/7, and I think it'd be dangerous if you're just not, you know, careful with that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's a classic question: is it a, is it a tool that we're using for its benefits, efficiencies, connection, whatever, you know, or is it controlling us? Right? And for many of us, it's, uh, you know, it's controlling us. And you know, we see it in the entrepreneurial and deal world. Like, you know, I often. Yeah, you know, for for somebody who is a, a deal advocate and right does this podcast to try to inform people and have people think about the deals they can do. And and you know, in my law practice, uh, you know, we 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 do a lot of deal work for clients and you know, otherwise help them grow. You know, and, and my ideal client is a growth-oriented company. Some people find it strange that when somebody says, Hey, you know, I want to grow through deals or I have this deal on the table or whatever, I ask them why are you doing it? And if they don't have a good why, my recommendation is wait before, you know, because I see that same dynamic with business folks where there is this pressure to grow,
1: right? Mm -hmm.
0: But why? You know, just is it for ego? Is it for keeping up with the, you know, with the Joneses, so to speak? Is it because it's a substitute for your own self-worth, you know? Um, know, And I really want, there are a lot of great reasons to grow, to do deals, to, you know, expand, to negotiate. But and if you come from those reasons, because you have a vision on something you want to build, you want to have a bigger impact, you wanna, you know, even just make more money for you, send your kids to good schools, what you know, whatever it might be, there's some really great, grounded, aligned motivations for growth. But then there are a lot of people who are growing not from that place, but from, you know, some other place, which is not healthy.
1: Yeah. I see all the time with people that I work with, just this idea of, oh my goodness, my income, you know, my revenue didn't grow last month. I hit this, you know, two months ago and, you know, now I, I didn't, you know, increase that or hit that again. Um, And I'm like, okay, like, why do you want that? (laughs) You know, like what's, what's in that for you? What's, what's going on? And of course for business owners, yes, we should be, you know, bringing money in and creating revenue and sales and profit, all those great things. Of course. I love all of that. But if it's from a place of like, I just have to keep on growing for growth's sake, for no reason, it's not, oh, I want to create this new offer. And I'm excited about bringing on new clients, you know, for X, Y, and Z. And, you know, I want to increase my connections and all that thing. Or I want to, you know, like you said, send my kids to a different school, or I want to, you know, have this money in my savings. It's just growing for growth's sake, just for a number, just for vanity. And, you don't always need, you know, sometimes you just want to, you just want a number. But if it's from a place of desperation of, okay, this is just what I did last month. And if, if I don't hit this and it means something about me, then I think that's where the problem is.
0: Yeah. Great stuff. You know, before we uh, hit a couple of last uh, closing things, um, any other, uh, you know, sort of tips or things uh, that you think affect negotiation and deals in terms of the work that you've done, I've seen, or do you have the less great story or, And anything that you think would be valuable to the audience?
1: You know what? Again, I'll just reiterate, know what you really want deep, deep down. Honestly, be radically honest with yourself. You can't come to a deal. You can't come to a negotiation being honest with someone else if you don't really know what you want. So take the time to really, really figure out what that is, being radically honest with yourself and figure out ways to not self-abandon in different ways. So if... You know, your friend is crossing a boundary that, you know, talking about something that you don't want to talk about, or, you know, they're just offending you in some way or whatever. Tell people, you know, if you are your time boundaries, if you're saying you're going to go to bed at 10, go to bed at 10. You know, we have boundaries with ourselves, we have boundaries with friends and family. If you don't want to go somewhere for Thanksgiving, don't go. You know, things like that, not abandoning yourself in those ways make it easier when you're showing up negotiation or deal. To really stick by yourself.
0: Yeah, just you know, it's building that muscle, right? You know, in a day to day life. Love that. Um, I think this, is, this work is fascinating. I think it's absolutely crucial, the work you're doing with folks, just to help transform their lives generally, and then certainly put them in a position to be better negotiators and deal makers. I'm sure the audience has felt that way. If they want to know more about you, what's the best place for them, for them to find out more information?
1: Yeah, you can head to my. Instagram at the Renee Reese, or you can find me on my website at worthinessqueen.com.
0: Love it. WorthinessQeen.com. I mentioned it when I read that in the bio. I love that trademark moniker you have there. So this is going to be a cool question. I always ask this question at the end, but I, I think uh, looking forward to your answer from the depth of the conversation we've been having on this final question, which is that freedom is my highest ideal mm-hmm. for me. And that's freedom for all people from repression, freedom on why I'm an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can get to build what I want to build. And that's what I usually say, but I'm really actually connecting from this conversation because of all the work I've done around relationship to money and self-worth and whatever, that that provides a freedom as well. So uh, although I sort of steered it in a direction, you don't have to go in that direction. It was sort of my, you know, getting connected to it. The general question is, what does freedom mean to you and how does it impact your life and business?
1: I love that question. Oh man, freedom is one of my highest values as well. And for me, it, it speaks to yes, physical freedom where I'm, you know, location independent. I'm an entrepreneur. I, you know, I set my own hours. I do what I want. I'm the boss. That, that's great. Um, and then freedom for, for all people. But the type of freedom that I mainly think of is emotional freedom. And I mentioned this before when you're able to sit with yourself and experience any range of emotion, when you are, when you have a relationship with yourself where you can you know, reparent yourself in a way where you can not let your emotions, you know, you can let your emotions come up and you can feel them, but not let them run everything in your world when you can have your own back, when you can cultivate a relationship with yourself that's based on truth and based on what you really want, based on the long term, based on love for yourself. That to me is absolutely true freedom, having a sense of worthiness, because when, you know, when circumstances happen and, and life doesn't give you what you want or you're not where you wanna be at, that foundation is going to keep you solid. It's gonna keep you strong, it's gonna keep you feeling free, even if you are not at the place you wanna be at. So yeah, emotional freedom is the ultimate freedom for me.
0: Love that answer.
1: Thank you. Uh,
0: Renee Reese, I so enjoyed having you on the Deal Quest podcast.
1: Oh, me too. I'm, I'm so happy you asked me to be here. I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining me on this episode of DealQuest, where we help you understand how deal-driven growth can be your ticket to freedom. I want to invite you to a unique way to tap into the wisdom and experience of the DealQuest community. Join the DealQuest Deal Den Zoom Calls, a free monthly 90-minute mastermind. In the mastermind, we address all the challenges you may be facing, and help support you with the opportunities that may arise in terms of deal driven growth. You will get input, not only from me, but all the members on the call will collaborate and serve each other in a mastermind format. To sign up for the free mastermind, go to www.coreycupfer.com slash deal den. That's coreycupfer.com slash deal den. I'll see you there. I'm Corey Kupfer until next week wishing you the freedom and financial prosperity that I know your deal quest will bring.